Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is a special message from Todd Hicksonball, our children's ministry director, titled, Won't You Be My Neighbor? and based on Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here's Todd. One of my heroes was an interesting person. And if you notice, if you look at the title, you might be able to guess who it is. Won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Joseph was mad at me because I didn't wear the cardigan and bring my shoes. I figured Dave would get mad at me for taking my shoes off, honestly. You're supposed to laugh at that. But, you know, Mr. Rogers is an incredible person. I'm going to talk about him here in a minute. But I want you to open your mind as we begin this message this morning. I hope it encourages you. I've been praying about this message for a while. So, let's read scripture together. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all of your mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I will always read that part that way. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him also passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Then he went to him and bound him in his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, for the truth that it gives us, the absolute truth. But we also thank you that none of us have had to be held to it, that you sent your son Jesus, that he died for us so that we could be with you forever. May you have mercy on our souls. We love you. Amen. This is one of my favorite pictures of Mr. Rogers. And as a matter of fact, I've, I've modeled much of what I do in children's ministry after him. You see, Mr. Rogers was a pioneer in terms of things that he would do in the ways that he communicated truth to children. He wasn't the most talented, by the way. 
Did you hear him sing? Won't you be my name? Even the lyrics to that song, like I have questions. Because he wrote that song and I'm like, did you have to make it confusing? Like I'm trying to learn this. I was going to sing this song to you today and like, I'm going, bro, no, I'm not, not doing this. This is, this is wacky. And he, he wasn't the most the best actor, the best person to be able to display these things on television, but he had a heart for children and he had a heart for the next generation and families. And so he would go on TV over and over and over again. And I use puppets because of him. I use flannel graph because of him. Um, he's somebody who, when I was in college, uh, actually I would watch YouTube videos of him doing flannel graph and YouTube videos of him doing puppets. And I learned from him. But he was also a pioneer in the things that he talked about. It wasn't just what he did in the ways that he taught. It was the things he, that, that, that he talked about on TV. You see, this was in the 1960s during a lot of the civil rights movement. And Mr. Rogers did something that had never been done on TV before. You see, he went and put his feet in the same swimming pool on a hot day as a black man. That had never been done before. He was revolutionary. And it stunned the country who was in this grip of, of, of a change that had swept throughout the nation. This is a scene from a, a week of episodes that he did after Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated. And in particular, this specific moment, the puppet is explaining what the word assassination means to children. You see, Mr. Rogers didn't believe that kids needed to be sheltered. What he believed is that they needed to hear the truth from a trusted source and someone who cared about them. Now, Mr. Rogers wrote a song because Mr. Rogers understood that all of us need a neighbor. He understood that all of us need somebody who cares about us. All of us needs somebody who can tell us the truth, but that has a relationship that backs it up. See, Mr. Rogers was in millions of homes every week speaking the truth, doing it in a loving way. And today we're going to learn a little bit about what it means to be a good neighbor. And that begs the question, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? What does it mean to be a neighbor? You see, what we think of, and if I said this, by the way, downstairs in the children's ministry, like, I know it's all of you that teaches them to be sassy. Like, I know. But here's what I would get. Well, Mr. Todd, it's the person who lives on the left and right side of you. Thank you. I appreciate your contribution to this conversation. It was very helpful, kid. I don't ever say the kid part out loud. I always say it internally, but just know it's there. I get frustrated with them too. It's fine. What does it mean to be a good neighbor? It's not just, it's not just location, right? Clearly it can't be location. If these strangers who were passing by this, this fallen person were potentially considered a neighbor. So it can't just be that, but, but, it, but it also has something to do with location, right? Like I can't be a good neighbor to somebody that I've never met and I've never talked to. So it has to be an interaction with somebody. And you see, the world has all sorts of opinions on this. By the way, when I say the world, it includes you today. I know normally in church, we don't include the church in 
the term the world, but all of us are in this boat because all of us, when we leave here, have opinions on things. And by the way, I have lots of opinions on things and my opinions are always correct. Unless I'm in a room with my wife, in which case her opinions are always correct. And if you say otherwise, I will correct you. And then I'll tell you later that I disagree with her, but I would never do it. I would never do that. I would never do that. Ever. And you see, there's a tension here that we all have to face because I believe this thing so fundamentally. How can I be wrong? Friends, so does the other side of whatever opinion you want. You want to talk about abortion? You want to talk about transgenderism? You want to talk about homosexuality? You want to talk about Democrat versus Republican? Do you want to talk about Dunkin' versus Starbucks, which there's only one correct answer to that. And you will be shunned from church if you get it wrong. Well, at least today, when Mike comes back, I don't know what to tell you. You're just wrong then, but you can still be here. <clears throat> but there's opinions about everything. And all of us partake in them. It's interesting, this, this week I heard an opinion that was argued, and they were two separate instances uh, they were not in the room with each other when they did this, but they both used the exact same scripture to argue a different viewpoint to me. That's a real story that happened this week. And I had to laugh because isn't that the case? Isn't that the case? So if we all have fundamental positions that we hold to be deeply true, then how can I be a good neighbor to somebody who doesn't agree with me? Today's scripture passage, we're going to talk about that tension. Starting in verse 25, and by the way, this is Luke chapter 10. This morning, whenever I said this, I started to explain like I was downstairs with the kids. Now you guys go to the table of contents at the beginning of the Bible and you look up where Luke is and you open it up. I pray that I don't have to do that today with you. But if I do, go to the table of contents and open it up. There's a Bible in front of you. I'm kidding. You're allowed to laugh at me. They sent the children's guy up here. Come on, you have to laugh a little bit. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, shall, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, there's two things that's interesting about this verse to me. One is that this was truly an unprecedented thing that happened. You see, in that culture, you did not question a rabbi whenever they stood up and spoke. You could later in private, you could if you were one-on-one, -on -one, but you would never publicly challenge a teacher or a rabbi. And so already we're on unprecedented ground. But the second thing that sticks out to me is that the question this person asks is more profound and more interesting than what maybe you and I would think. Because you see, this is a fundamental question to the heart of every single person that's ever breathed on this earth. But what about non-believers, Todd? I would slightly change the question that they ask. How can I leave a lasting legacy? How can I leave a lasting legacy? There's a moment in the latest Batman movie. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. It's a great movie. You should go see it. 
where the Riddler realizes that his plan was foiled and that everything goes wrong and he becomes insanely mad. And it's because he realized that his plan didn't work and that he was going to be nameless. That what he had done didn't matter because it had been stopped. That's something that we all struggle with. The Christian way of saying it, the religious way of saying it is what shall I do to inherit eternal life, Jesus? Because here's the thing, what we're actually doing in that moment is we're trying to leverage Jesus for our gain. We're attempting to use Jesus in this promise. John 3.16 for all sin, all this stuff. We, we all try to use this for God so loved the world. We try to use it and leverage it to our benefit with none of the sacrifice that it takes. On the other side, the world, people who aren't believers, manipulate to try to meet their ends, to try to have recognition, to try to have significance. But it's the same thing. It's a manipulation nonetheless. And that's what this teacher is doing. That's what this, this, this lawyer is doing. He's trying to manipulate Jesus. I have a story for you. You can laugh at this picture, by the way, because I know as soon as it pops up, many of you go, oh my gosh, we need to do the, an intervention with this guy. <clears throat> so I have a story. I won't use the person's name and I won't use the location, which store they're at. But the story goes like this. I go to Starbucks pretty much every day of my life. If it's not every day, it's pretty darn close. And then some of you are my dealers. And what I mean by that is, I'll be good some days and y'all will just bring me my drink into the office, which tells me two things. One, you pay way too close of attention to my life. And two, that I'm a real drug addict. <laughs> and so when I go, I, this is a shocker for some of you, I talk, I talk a lot. And I meet people, like I'm known for talking to strangers at, at gas station pumps while I'm pumping gas. Like asking them about their day and what that bumper sticker means. And so I'm always talking to people. And it just so happens that I met a very interesting individual at Starbucks. Now, what does the term or phrase blue hair friends mean to you? You can say it. Old people? In my context, that's not what it means. In fact, in my context, what it means is uh, Starbucks employees. It might be pink, it might be green, Saw one this morning that was purple, you know. But, but it's, it's a group of folks that are oftentimes stereotyped as being liberal or they're just young and stupid and so they dye their hair funny colors. And one of these individuals that I met has won, um, has won Miss Drag Queen of Akron, Ohio, three years in a row. and started chatting with them. And he would come over and, and sit near my table and we would start chatting and we would talk about all sorts of things like his nail art and color of his hair and all sorts of things because, you know, I have questions and I enjoy asking questions. And so we would get into life and we would start talking and we would talk about, about coffee and we would talk about 
He was an artist. He, we've talked about art. And so all these things, and this continued day after day. And I enjoyed these conversations. And then he didn't know who I was. He didn't know anything about me. And pretty soon he started taking breaks on his, on his breaks. He would come over and, and, and would sit with me at my table and we would, we would chat. And again, he had no idea who I am, what I do. And this went on for weeks and weeks. And I got to know him. I got to know who his boyfriend was. I got to know a lot of things about him. And it was an interesting relationship that formed. And one day I was meeting with someone, um, pastoral care stuff. We were hanging out and the person left and, and he was just coming off of his break and sat down with me and he saw that I had a Bible on the table. Friends, when I tell you the look he gave me was hurt on the deepest level that I can communicate, it was. And he looked at me and he says, I can't believe you're one of them. I can't believe you're one of them. And he got up and he left with a few choice words for me. The next day I came back, he was not there. Next day, day after that, day after that, kept going, wasn't there. My friend was gone. And I was grieving the fact that this relationship more than likely had been severed, it had been broken. And it hurt. And I know I hurt him. That's a hurtful thing when you think that somebody is something and then discover they're not. I'll come back to that story in a little bit. This is one of our favorite questions to ask. This is one of our favorite questions to ask and we always have an answer for it. So verse 26, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? That my friends is what we call an invitation to my opinion. Woo, I love that. Let me tell you my opinion. I got one for everything. And I just imagine this guy getting ready. Cause like, listen, him and I are not that different. Like this dude had spent all this time learning about the Bible. I've spent years learning about the Bible. He can talk in public. I can talk in public. He can make sense of things about the, he knew all these things. I relate to this guy, right? I could tell you all sorts of weird esoteric things about the Bible that you don't care to know about. So could this guy. And so here he goes, verse 27. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, many of us are very good at the first part of that verse. Very good at it. Matter of fact, I know some of you who are really good at this. You'll go to eight, you'll go to seven Bible studies during the week and church, and you'll pray like my socks off. You come to my office and like, and like pray for me in my office. You do all this. And if there was eight Bible studies during the week, you go to eight of them. And we're really good at that first part 
about knowledge and about learning about God and about loving him and following what he wants us to do because we're good at Sunday school. We're really good at Sunday school and at church. But the second part he adds in at the end and he says, and your neighbor as yourself. That's the hard part. And Jesus says to him, hey, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. By the way, same to you. Do that and you're good. By the way, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament. Those are just two. So you have 611 left. Have a blast. And that's kind of what Jesus said to this guy. If you do that, you're good. But all of us, all of us tend to like one or the other. And some of us are very open about the fact that we like to love other people, that we're all for loving other people and we want other people to love us. And so we don't ever speak truth. We're scared of truth. We're scared of presenting what the scripture says. We're scared of having difficult conversations with people. It hurts us. And so we just avoid it altogether. For others, oh, we love truth. We love truth and we love to shove it down your throat violently and suplex you on the way and kick you. We're good at it. But we're just telling the truth. God's word is absolute truth. So they have to know it. And there's a tension there because what Jesus affirmed is that both are true and that both have to be evenly applied. That's a hard tension to manage. For my love God people, I want you to listen today. I want you to have an open mind. But I have something to give you a hint about. God doesn't need you to defend him. He needs you to do what's right, but he doesn't need you to defend him because he's not defenseless. For my love your neighbor as yourself, folks, I know you're going to be tempted to say, yeah, and that one too. But I want you to understand that it's grace and it's truth, both. When we begin to understand this, we understand the heart of what Jesus said was the summation of all of the law. It's both. Now, when I see this verse, I only can think of it in the context of a, of a child who's being a smart aleck. Like I only can think of it in that term. And so like the, the guy is like wanting to prove himself. And so he says, but all right, who's my neighbor then? So smart, Jesus. And this is the look that Jesus gives him. <laughs> Jesus just goes, buckle up, buttercup. I got one for you here. You ever heard the joke about the priest, the rabbi, and the pastor? Oh, no, never mind. That's the wrong thing that Jesus said. It, it, he said something different. I'm sorry. I got confused on, on my parables. He, um, Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. 
Sabro got beat up, his clothes stolen, and he was half dead. Literally, this is what Jesus is about to experience in just a little bit of time. By the way, that's a whole other sermon in itself. And this is where we have questions. Well, why was he going where he was going? Why was he wearing those clothes? Why was he doing that? Didn't he know there are more safe routes that he could have gone? Hey, also, he should have taken jujitsu. It's like a self-defense class. If he would have done that, it wouldn't have happened to him. We have questions. And they're legitimate questions. But so did the priest. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, I, want, I don't want you to misunderstand. The road that they were walking on was not 77. It looked like that. This is actually a real Roman road located in Great Britain. Do you see much room on there? No, I don't. This guy literally either stepped over him or shoved his legs out of the way to get around him. It was an intentional choice. He did not see him. He made a choice. And so did the Levite. So likewise, a Levite, another person who is a religious figure, somebody who was to be held to a high standard. First service, I called this guy Pastor Mike. It went over well. And when he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side. There's a third character to this story, but the transgender person or the Black Lives Matter person or the Republican or the Democrat or whatever else ticks you off when you think about ideology, maybe it's socialism, so it's a Marxist, you know, whatever you want to insert in there that would just really tick you off and like that person can't ever be the hero of a story, insert that person there. But a Samaritan, those dirty Samaritans, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. He literally took out his American Express card, handed it to a person who was going to profit off of this and said, spend whatever. That dude just got lobster tail and steak. He got the nice bed with like the pillows that they fluff. You know what I'm talking about, the hotel. He got all the pretty little scented thingies in the bathroom that, that I try to steal and Kelly tells me not to. He got all that, okay, and more, and more. He got all of those things. And this guy was just heaping on generosity. And Jesus asked the question at the end of his story. He said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? So it gets to the heart of the question, who was the good neighbor? Won't you be? My neighbor. Who was the neighbor? It was the Samaritan. It was the Samaritan who, who cared, who had literally, the Bible says, had compassion on this person. 
who stopped and who did what the religious figures, the people who should have known better, who ultimately had the resources to do the right thing, didn't do the right thing. He's the one that did it. And that's the key question we have to ask ourselves. Who, who is the neighbor that I need to be a good neighbor to? Finish my story. So, a few weeks go by and I saw him a few times, but he wouldn't speak to me. And um, one day he came over and, and he was very emotional and uh, sat down and he started to cry. And, 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 he, and he said, can I talk to you? Sure. I'll talk to anybody. And, and he started to talk and, and, he, and he started to tell me deep pain and hurt that was going on in his life and mental health. And he had broken up with his boyfriend and it was just, it was, it was just trauma and carnage everywhere this person looked. And he said, I don't agree with what you think about me. But when I was a kid, a priest prayed with me and I felt better. Will you pray for me? I was like, sure, we'll do it right now. <laughs> and he's like, well, I, I mean, no, I mean, like when I leave, like, can you pray for me? I was like, that, that's not how this train rides, friend. Uh, we're praying right now. And so I prayed with him and we're both crying in a mess. And he said, thank you. And he leaves and come back the next day. And he comes back over and he says, you know, I don't agree with, with what you believe. And I said, you don't have to. <laughs> we're friends. And he went back to sitting with me and we would talk. By the way, I hadn't told him yet what I did for a living. That was a whole other thing. And so one day he, he comes over and, and he brings over one of the other partners and they were having a really hard day as well. And he, he, brings, he brings her over and he says, hey, can, can, you, can you talk with her? I don't, I don't know what to say. She's just having a hard time. And so we sit down and we start talking and, and this young lady had been going through a lot of trauma in her life, hard things. And we spent time talking. And over the next few weeks, a pattern started where he would bring different partners, employees at Starbucks are called partners. He would start bringing different partners to come and talk to me. And one day I overheard him and he said, you know, he's a Christian, but like, I don't agree with what he has to say, but he's, he's kind and he, he likes, he'll talk to you and it helps. And this pattern started. And one day he, he asked me, he said, you know, how do you always know what to say to people? Now, friends, I had a choice. I could have told him I work for a nonprofit. Wouldn't be a lie. I work for a 501c3. I could have told him that, that I work with people a lot and I'm just good at talking with people. I could have told him that, you know, I was a really good Sunday school participant. I don't know. I could have told him a lot of things, but I decided I'd tell him. And I said, you know, hey, I work at a church and, you know, part of what I do is dealing with people, talking with people, helping people, praying with people loving people. That's what I do. It's my job. Literally, you could boil my job description down. It's, it's just to love families and kids really well. That's what I do. He looked at me and again, he was hurt. And he says, 
I never would have imagined somebody like you could be a pastor. And the truth that was in that sentence hurt me because what he was communicating is one of the worst things that he could think of in his life was for somebody to be a pastor, was for somebody to be a person in an official ministry capacity. He didn't leave, kept talking and, and he just had a bunch of questions and he wanted to know like, why did I choose to do that? And you know, what church do I, do I go to? And he had all these questions and, and I answered them, honest. I was honest with him. I told him what I did. I told him, told him that I was a children's director and that I work with kids and families. And I told him, you know, that, that he was welcome here. I told him that, you know, anytime he ever wanted to come by, I'd love to show him my office. I'd love to, to walk him around the building. And he left and a couple days later, he came over and he said, you know, I've been thinking about what you said. I'm never going to agree with you, but, but we could be friends, which by the way, my first, this is how bad of a person I am. My first question was, does that mean I get free Starbucks drinks? <laughs> Listen, I'm not a, I'm a bad person, man. I'm over here trying to figure out how I can get my stuff. Um, and it was great. And a couple of weeks went by and, and he came to me and again, he was, he was crying and he was hurting. And he said, can you tell me about Jesus? Cause I'm hurting and I don't, I don't understand why you believe this, but I know that when you talk to people, when you talk to me, it, it helps. And I want to see what this guy had to say about me. And I got to witness to him and we had a long conversation and I told him about who Jesus was. And I told him that all of us sin, Romans 3.23, for all, all, have son, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I told him, I'm, no, I'm not different, that I sin, that we all sin. And I talked to him about John 3.16 in that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, will have eternal life. And we walked through the Romans road over a few weeks if you don't know what that is, it's taking the book of Romans and literally hitting the different, there's different passages that you can go and it totally tells the plan of salvation, walking us through total depravity all the way to none of the fact that none of us can, can right ourselves and that Jesus is the only way. Now, he's still not a believer, but he heard. And I know that next time he has a crisis, that he can trust me. I have a relationship with him. And I didn't compromise truth, but I just loved him. And this doesn't make me a hero of the faith or a better person. This is just what Jesus called me to do. And friends, not just me, you too. You see, we should love God with everything that we have, but it's an incomplete love and an incomplete faith if we don't love the people he created just as well. And he created every single person. Not one person that he did not create. So I have three questions for you. Three questions I want you to ponder. I don't have to evangelize to my coworkers. 
Pastor Mike said that a few months ago. At least I don't think, I'm wondering about Joe sometimes. He does some wild things. He walks around barefoot. It's weird. But I don't have to do that. So I intentionally put myself in situations like going to Starbucks. I make myself go to Starbucks. So hard. I put myself in very uncomfortable situations and around people who believe very differently than I do. Transgender folks, people who are socialists, people who are Marxists, people who are Republicans, people who are Democrats, people who name the thing. I try to make myself very uncomfortable by being near them, by listening to what they have to say. And if you're in a spot like some of us can get into, you might say, well, Todd, I don't know anybody who's not a Christian. I would encourage you to start praying today. Pray that God would bring people into your life and then be prepared because he will. Who are you praying for? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? Is it a coworker? Pray for Joe. Joe's going to punch me in the face. No, they're both shaking their head. No. Who do you need to be praying for? Next. Who are you discipling? By the way, a full discipleship plan is not, I'm going to bring them to church so that Pastor Dave, Pastor Joseph, Pastor Mike, Pastor Don, or Todd can disciple them. That is not a discipleship plan that is abdicating totally in in the, the, the commission that your heavenly father gave to you. That is abdicating it. Saying that I am shy is not good enough. Saying that I'm not eloquent enough doesn't matter. I'm an idiot. For real. I say dumb things. I just broke Beth. (laughs) I say dumb things all the time. God uses me to be able to help people understand him better. Who are you discipling? Here's all it starts with. If you're old and don't text, great, call them. If you're young, text them. Duh. Start a conversation. Get their phone number, find them on Instagram, DM them, figure out how to get in contact with them, be near them, start the relationship, and start walking down the path with that person. Pray that God brings you a person, or two, or three. Heck, if you're Superman, maybe four. Who knows? Who are you discipling? And finally, who are you building relationships with? You know, we're all, Christians love the the iron sharpens iron, and so we need to be with like-minded people, and Sunday school. Good, and you should do that. Also, you should be around people who don't think like you. Because when we're around people who don't think like us, Those are the people that we should be interacting with. Jesus spent time with Pharisees, Levites, prostitutes, hello, people who drank too much, people who were tax collectors. He spent time with not great people, fam. Like, it was not good. He went and ate at their house. Build relationships with them. Talk to them. Here's what I do. I buy people coffee. I just buy them stuff. Love me. (laughs) Buy them Starbucks. Start a relationship, start a conversation. You can begin that today. And you don't have to compromise truth and you don't have to compromise loving someone to do that.
You see, the Samaritan had no stated theological qualifications. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a Levite. But he understood that people mattered. People mattered. That was his only theological qualification. He knew people mattered. So build radical relationships. Build relationships that don't make sense. I'd love to see old grannies here with biker dudes. Debbie, Debbie hardcore. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> go find, if you're a, one of my blue hair people listening, go find one of the old school blue, blue hair people and vice versa. If you're somebody who spends time in a, in a bubble, but you have a family member that is the black sheep of the family, reach out to that person. We all know people or can find them easily. Pray that God would tear down the barriers preventing you from doing that. Because you see, this is the line that I've been praying about for months. That good theology leads to better relationships. Better relationships with my wife, better relationships with my friends, better relationships with my coworkers, but it doesn't stop there. It leads me to be a better neighbor to the people around me. Let's be better neighbors. Let's love people well because people matter to God. Good theology leads to better relationships, not worse relationships. If your theology stands in the way of loving somebody, it's not good theology. And quite frankly, if you follow theology in God the way that he prescribes, it doesn't compromise truth either. It's both. It's both. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, Community Church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life/connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.